0: book 3 chapter 2 of the crossing by winston churchill this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter 2 the house above the falls it was may day and shortly after dawn we slipped into the quiet water which is banked up for many miles above the falls the captain and i set forward on the deck breathing deeply the sharp odor which comes from the wet forest in the early morning listening to the soft splash of the oars and watching the green form of eighteen-mile island as it gently drew nearer and nearer and ere the sun had risen greatly we had passed twelve-mile island and emerging from the narrow channel which divides six-mile island from the northern shore we beheld on its terrace above the bare grass louisville shining white in the morning sun majestic in its mile of width calm as though gathering courage the river seemed to straighten for the ordeal to come and the sound of its waters crying over the rocks far below came faintly to my ear and awoke memories of a day gone by fearful of the suck we crept along the indian shore until we counted the boats moored in the bare grass and presently above the trees on our right we saw the stars and stripes floating from the log bastion of fort Finney, and below the fort on the gentle sunny slope of the river's brink was spread the green garden of the garrison with its sprouting vegetables and fruit trees blooming pink and white we were greeted by a company of buff and blue officers at the landing and i was bidden to breakfast at their mess captain wendell promising to take me over to louisville afterwards we had business in the town and about eight of the clock we crossed the wide river in one of the barges of the fort and made fast at the landing in the bare grass but no sooner had we entered the town than we met a number of country people on horseback with their wives and daughters i and sweethearts perched up behind them the men mostly in butternut linsey hunting shirts and trousers slouse hats and red handkerchiefs stuck into their bosoms the women marvelously pretty and fresh in stiff cotton gowns and quaker hats and some in crimped caps with ribbons neatly tied under the chin before mr eastern's tavern joe handy the fiddler was reeling off a few bars of hey betty martin to the familiar crowd of loungers under the big poplar. "'It's Davy Ritchie!' shouted Joe, breaking off in the middle of the tune. "'Welcome home, Davy. You're just in time for the barbecue on the island. "'And Cap'n Wendell. Howdy, Cap!' drawled another, a huge, long-haired, sallow, dirty fellow. But the captain only glared. "'Damn him,' he said, after I had spoken to Joe and we had passed on. "'He ought to be barbecued.' He nearly bit off ensign barry's nose a couple of months ago barry tried to stop the beast in a gouging fight the bright morning the shady streets the home-like frame and log houses the old-time fragrant odor of corn pone wafted out of the open doorways the warm greetings all made me happy to be back again mr creed rushed out and escorted us into his cool store and while he waited on his country customers bade his negro brew a bowl of toddy at the mention of which mr bill whalen chief habitue roused himself from a stupor on a tobacco barrel presently the customers having indulged in the toddy departed for the barbecue the captain went to the fort and mr creed and myself were left alone to talk over the business which had sent me to philadelphia at four o'clock having finished my report and dined with my client i set out for clarksville for mr creed had told me among other things that the general was there louisville was deserted the tavern porch vacant but tacked on the logs beside the door was a printed bill which drew my curiosity i stopped caught by a familiar name in large type at the head of it george r clark esq major-general in the armies of france and commander-in-chief of the french revolutionary legion on the mississippi river proposals for raising volunteers for the reduction of the spanish post on the mississippi for opening the trade of said river and giving freedom to all its inhabitants i had got so far when i heard a noise of footsteps within and Mr. Easton himself came out in his shirt-sleeves. By crickey, Davy, said he. I'm right glad to see you again. Reading a general's bill, are you? Tarnation, I reckon Washington and all his European fellers east of the mountains won't be able to hold us back this time. I reckon we'll gallop over Louisiana in the face of all the Spaniards ever created. I've got some new whiskey. I allow we'll sink tallow. Come in, Davy as he took me by the arm a laughter and shouting came from the back room it's some of them frenchy fellers come over from knob licks they're in it and he pointed his thumb over his shoulder to the proclamation and there's one young american among em who's a towerer come in i drank a glass of mr easton's whiskey and asked about the general he stays over in clarksville pretty much said mr easton there ain't quite so much walkin around to do he added significantly i made my way down to the waterside where jake landris sat alone on the gunwale of a kentucky boat smoking a clay pipe as he fished i had to exercise persuasion to induce jake to paddle me across which he finally agreed to do on the score of old friendship and he declared that the only reason he was not at the barbecue was because he was waiting to take a few gentlemen to see General Clark. I agreed to pay the damages if he were late in returning for these gentlemen, and soon he was shooting me with pulsing strokes across the lake-like expanse towards the landing at Fort Finney. Louisville and the fort were just above the head of the falls and the little town of Clarksville, which Clark had founded at the foot of them i landed took the road that led parallel with the river through the tender green of woods and as i walked the mighty song which the falls had sung for ages to the wilderness rose higher and higher and the faint spray seemed to be wafted through the forest and to hang in the air like the odor of a summer rain it was may day the sweet caressing note of the thrush mingled with the music of the water The dogwood and the wild plum were in festal array, but my heart was heavy with thinking of a great man who had cheapened himself. At length I came out upon a clearing where fifteen log houses marked the grant of the federal government to Clark's regiment. Perched on a tree-dotted knoll above the last spasm of the waters in their two-mile race for peace— was a two-storied log house with a little square porch in front of the door. As I rounded the corner of the house and came in sight of the porch, I halted, by no will of my own, at the sight of a figure sunken in a wooden chair. It was that of my old colonel. His hands were folded in front of him. His eyes were fixed but dimly on the forest of the Kentucky shore across the water his hair uncared for fell on the shoulders of his faded blue coat and the stained buff waistcoat was unbuttoned for he still wore unconsciously the colors of the army of the american republic general i said he started got to his feet and stared at me oh it's-it's davy he said i-i was expecting some friends davy what what's the matter davy i've been away i'm glad to see you again general citizen general sir major general in the army of the french republic and commander-in-chief of the french revolutionary legion on the mississippi you will always be colonel clark to me sir i answered you you were the drummer boy "'I remember, and strutted in front of the regiment as if you were the colonel. "'You get, I remember how you fooled the Kaskaskians when you told them we were going away.' He looked at me, but his eyes were still fixed on the point beyond. "'You were always older than I, Davy. Are you married?' In spite of myself, I laughed as I answered this question. "'You are as canny as ever,' he said putting his hand on my shoulder. "'Liberty, equality, fraternity. They are only possible for the bachelor.' Hearing a noise, he glanced nervously in the direction of the woods, only to perceive his negro carrying a pail of water. "'I i was expecting some friends,' he said. "'Sit down, Davy.' "'I hope I'm not intruding, General,' I said, not daring to look at him no no my son he answered you're always welcome did we not campaign together did we not shoot these very falls together on our way to kaskaskia he had to raise his voice above the roar of the water faith well i remember the day and you saved it davy you a little gamecock a little worldly wise hop up up-of-my-thumb hamilton's scalp hanging by a lock he get. "'And they frightened out of their five wits because it was growing dark.' He laughed and suddenly became solemn again. "'There comes a time in every man's life when it grows dark, Davy. "'And then the cowards are afraid. "'They have no friends whose hands they can reach out and feel. "'But you're my friend. "'You remember that you said you would always be my friend? "'It it was in the fort at Vincennes. "'I remember, General.' he rose from the steps buttoned his waistcoat and straightened himself with an effort he looked at me impressively you have been a good friend indeed davy a faithful friend he said you came to me when i was sick you lent me money he waved aside my protest i'm happy to say that i shall soon be in a position to repay you to reward you my evil days are over and i spurn that government which spurned me FOR THE HONOR AND GLORY OF WHICH I FOUNDED THAT CITY, HE POINTED IN THE DIRECTION OF LOUISVILLE, FOR THE POWER AND WEALTH OF WHICH I CONQUERED THIS NORTHWEST TERRITORY. LISTEN, I AM NOW IN THE SERVICE OF A REPUBLIC WHERE THE PEOPLE HAVE RIGHTS. I AM COMMANDER-IN-CHIEF OF THE FRENCH REVOLUTIONARY LEGION ON THE MISSISSIPPI. DESPITE THE SUPINENESS OF WASHINGTON, THE AMERICAN NATION WILL SOON BE AT WAR WITH SPAIN but my friends-and thank god there are many-will follow me they will follow me to natchez and new orleans ay even to santa fe and mexico if i give the word the west is with me and for the west i shall win the freedom of the mississippi for france and liberty i shall win back again louisiana and then i shall be a marechal-de-camp i could not help thinking of a man who had not been wont to speak of his intentions who had kept his counsel for a year before kaskaskia i need my drummer-boy davy he said his face lighting up but he will not be a drummer-boy now he will be a trusted officer of high rank mind you come he cried seizing me by the arm i will write the commission this instant but hold, oh, you read french i remember the day father Gerbald gave you your first lesson he fumbled in his pocket, drew out a letter, and handed it to me. This is from Citizen misher the famous naturalist, the political agent of the French Republic. Read what he's written me. I read, I fear, in a faltering voice. Citoyen General, une de d'épreuve de son amour pour la liberté et de ne pour les ne dea s'adresser un veillard ministre de la republique francis general il est temps que les americans libres de les questions de bronce d'un ennemi on sait un jus mes when i had finished i glanced at the general but he seemed not to be heeding me The sun was setting above a ragged line of forest and a blue veil was spreading over the tumbling waters he took me by the arm and led me into the house into a bare room that was all awry maps hung on the wall beside them the general's new commission rudely framed among the littered papers on the table were two whiskey bottles and several glasses and strewn about were a number of chairs the arms of which had been whittled by the general's guests across the rough mantel-shelf was draped the french tricolor and before the fireplace on the puncheons lay a huge bear-skin which undoubtedly had not been shaken for a year picking up a bottle the general poured out generous helpings in two of the glasses and handed one to me the mists are bad davy said he i cannot afford to get the fever now let us drink to the success of the army of the glorious republic france let us drink first general i said to the old friendship between us good he cried tossing off his liquor he set down the glass and began what seemed a fruitless search among the thousand papers on the table but at length with a grunt of satisfaction he produced a form and held it under my eyes at the top of the sheet was that much-abused and calumniated lady the goddess of liberty now he said drawing up a chair and dipping his quill into an almost depleted ink-pot i've decided to make you david ritchie with full confidence in your ability and loyalty to the rights of liberty and mankind a captain in the legion of the mississippi he crossed the room swiftly and as he put his pen to paper i laid my hand on his arm general i cannot i said i had seen from the first the futility of trying to dissuade him from the expedition and i knew now that it would never come off i was willing to make almost any sacrifice rather than offend him but this I could not allow. The general drew himself up in his chair and stared at me with a flash of his old look. You cannot, he repeated. You have affairs to attend to, I take it? I tried to speak, but he rode me down. There's money to be made in that prosperous town of Louisville. He did not understand the pain which his words caused me he rose and laid his hands affectionately on my shoulders. "'Ah, Davy, commerce makes a man timid. "'Do you forget the old days when I was the father and you the son? "'Come, I will make you a fortune undreamed of, "'and you shall be my financier once more.' "'I had not thought of the money, General,' I answered, "'and I have always been ready to leave my business to serve a friend.' there there said the general soothingly i know it i would not offend you you shall have the commission and you may come when it pleases you he sat down again to write but i restrained him i cannot go general i said thunder and fury cried the general a man might think you were a weak-kneed federalist he stared at me and stared again and rose and recoiled a step my god he said you cannot be a federalist you can't have marched to kaskaskia and vincennes you can't have been a friend of mine and have seen how the government of the united states has treated me and to be a federalist it was an argument and an appeal which i had foreseen yet which i knew not how to answer suddenly there came unbidden his own counsel which he had given me long ago serve the people as all true men should in a republic but do not rely upon their gratitude this man had bidden me remember that general i said trying to speak steadily it was you who gave me my first love of the republic i remember you as you stood on the heights above kaskaskia waiting for the sun to go down and you reminded me that it was the nation's birthday and you said that our nation was to be a refuge of the oppressed of this earth a nation made of all peoples out of all time and you said that the lands beyond and i pointed to the west as he had done should belong to it until the sun sets on the sea again i glanced at him for he was silent and in my life i can recall no sadder moment than this the general heard but the man who had spoken these words was gone forever the eyes of this man before me were fixed as it were upon space he heard but he did not respond for the spirit was gone what i looked upon was the tortured body from which the genius the spirit i had worshipped had fled i turned away only to turn back in anger what do you know of this france for which you are to fight I cried. Have you heard of the thousands of innocents who were slaughtered, of the women and children who were butchered in the streets in the name of liberty? What have those blood-stained adventurers to do with liberty? What have the fishwives who love the sight of blood to do with you that would fight for them? You warned me that this people and this government to which you have given so much would be ungrateful. Will the butchers and fishwives be more grateful? he caught only the word grateful and he rose to his feet with something of the old straightness and of the old power and by evil chance his eye and mine fell upon the sword hanging on the father wall well i remember when he had received it well i knew the inscription on its blade presented by the state of virginia to her beloved son george rogers clark who by the conquest of illinois and st vincent's extended her empire and aided in the defense of her liberties by evil chance i say his eye lighted on that sword in three steps he crossed the room to where it hung snatched it from its scabbard and ere i could prevent him he had snapped it across his knee and flung the pieces in a corner so much for the gratitude of my country he said i had gone out on the little porch and stood gazing over the expanse of forest and waters lighted by the afterglow then i felt a hand upon my shoulder i heard a familiar voice calling me by an old name yes general i turned wonderingly you are a good lad davy i trust you he said i-i was expecting some friends he lifted a hand that was not too steady to his brow and scanned the road leading to the fort even as he spoke four figures emerged from the woods undoubtedly the gentlemen who had held the council at the inn that afternoon we watched them in silence as they drew nearer and then something in the walk and appearance of the foremost began to bother me He wore a long, double-breasted, claret-colored redding goat that fitted his slim figure to perfection, and his gait was the easy gait of a man who goes through the world careless of its pitfalls. So intently did I stare that I gave no thought to those who followed him. Suddenly, when he was within fifty paces, a cry escaped me. I should have known that smiling, sallow, weakly, handsome face anywhere in the world the gentleman was none other than monsieur auguste de st gris at the foot of the steps he halted and swept his hand to his hat with a military salute citizen general he said gracefully we come and pay our respects to you and make our report and very happy to see you look well citizens viva la republique hail to the citizen general vive la republique vive le general cried the three citizens behind him citizens you are very welcome answered the general gravely as he descended the steps and took each of them by the hand citizens allow me to introduce to you my old friend citizen david ritchie millis diables cried the citizen saint gris seizing me by the hand c'est mon cher ami monsieur ricci very happy you have this honor monsieur and snatching his wide-brimmed military cocked hat from his head he made me a smiling sweeping bow what cried the general to me you know the sieur de st Gris, davy he was my guest once in louisiane monsieur general monsieur auguste explained my family knows him you know the sieur de st Gris, davy said the general again yes i know him i answered i fear with some brevity pardon me said auguste i am now citizen captain de st Gris, and you are also embarked in the glorious cause ah i am happy he added embracing me with a winning glance i was relieved from the embarrassment of denying the impeachment by reason of being introduced to the other notables to captain citizen sullivan who wore an undress uniform consisting of a cotton butternut hunting shirt he had charge on the Beargrass of building the boats for the expedition and was likewise a prominent member of that august body the jacobin society of lexington Next came Citizen Quartermaster Depuis, now of Knob Licks, Kentucky, sometime of New Orleans. The Citizen Quartermaster wore his hair long in the backwoods fashion. He had a keen, pale face and sunken eyes. Very glad make you known to me, Citizen Ritchie. The fourth gentleman was likewise French and called Gignot the citizen gino made some sort of an impression on me which i did not stop to analyze he was a small man with a little round hand that wriggled out of my grasp he had a big french nose bright eyes that popped a little and gave him the habit of looking sideways and grizzled chestnut eyebrows over them he had a thin-lipped mouth and a round chin citizen richie is it i like to know citizen's name glorified by grand cause ricci will you enter citizens said the general i do not know why i followed them unless it was to satisfy my devil-prompted curiosity as to how Auguste st gris had got there we went into the room where the general's slovenly negro was already lighting the candles and the general proceeded to collect and fill six of the glasses on the table it was citizen captain sullivan who gave the toast citizens he cried i give you the health of the foremost apostle of liberty in the western world the general who tamed the savage tribes who braved the elements who brought to their knees the minions of a despot king a slight suspicion of a hiccough filled this gap cast aside by an ungrateful government he is still unfaltering in his allegiance to the people may he lead our legion victorious through the spanish dominions vive la republique they shouted draining their glasses vive la citizen general clark louisiana shouted citizen sullivan warming louisiana groaning under oppression and tyranny is imploring us with uplifted hands to those remaining veteran patriots whose footsteps we followed to this distant desert and who by their blood and toil have converted it into a smiling country we now look under your guidance citizen general we fought we bled how far the citizen captain would have gone is problematical i had noticed a look of disgust slowly creeping into the citizen quartermaster's eyes and at this juncture he seized the citizen captain and thrust him into a chair Sacrevent, he exclaimed it is the proclamation he recites the proclamation i see he have participated in those handbills Poof! the world is to conquer let us not speak so much i give you one toast said the little citizen gino slyly we all bring back one wife from nouveau orleans ha exclaimed the sieur de st laughing the citizen captain dupuy he has already one wife in nouveau orleans it is unnecessary for the editor to remind the reader that these are not mr rich's words but those of an adventurer mr dupuy was an honest and worthy gentleman Earnest enough in a cause which is more to his credit than to an American's, according to contemporary evidence, Madame Dupuis was in New Orleans. The citizen quartermaster was angry at this, and it did not require any great perspicacity on my part to discover that he did not love the citizen de Saint Gris. He is called in his country Gumbo de Saint Gris," said Citizen Dupuis. "It is a dish of that country." but to business citizens we embark on glorious enterprise the king and queen of france she pay for her treason with their heads and we must be prepared for do the same ha exclaimed the sieur de st gris the citizen quartermaster will lose his provision before his head the inference was plain and the citizen quartermaster was quick to take it up we're all among finns said he why i call you gumbo de st gris when i come first settled in Louisiana, you was wild man yes drink taffia fight duel spend family money aristocrat then no i not hold my tongue you go france and monsieur de marquess de st gris he gets you in god's decor of the king yes i tell him you tell the citizen general how come you jacobin now and we see if he make you captain a murmur of surprise escaped from several of the company and they all stared at the sieur de st gris but general clark brought down his fist on the table with something of his old-time vigor and the glasses rattled gentlemen i will have no quarrelling in my presence he cried and i beg to inform citizen dupuis that i bestow my commissions where it pleases me auguste de st Gris rose flushing to his feet citizens he said with a fluency that was easy for him i never make secret of my history no it is true my relation monsieur de marquis de st Gris, bought me a pair of colors in the king's Guards de and is it not true you tremble the cockade what i hear from philadelphia cried dupuis monsieur auguste smiled with a patient tolerance if you have pains to make inquiry said he you must learn that i join le marquis de Lafayette fayette in the national guard that i have since fight for the revolution that i am come now home to fight for louisiane as monsieur genet will tell you whom i saw in philadelphia the citizen capitaine he speaks true all eyes were turned towards genot who had been sitting back in his chair very quiet it is true what he say he repeated i have it by monsieur genet himself gentlemen said general clark this is beside the question and i will not have these petty quarrels i may as well say to you now that i have chosen the citizen captain to go at once to new orleans and organize a regiment among the citizens there faithful to france on account of his family and supposed royalist tendencies he will not be suspected i fear that a month at least has yet to elapse before our expedition can move it is one wise choice put in monsieur genot monsieur le general and gentlemen said the sieur de st gris gracefully i thank you very much for the confidence i leave my 1st flatboat, and will have all things stir up when you come the citizens of louisiana await you if necessary we have hole and levee ready to cut citizens interrupted general clark sitting down before the ink-pot let me hear the quartermaster's report of the supplies at knob licks and citizen sullivan's account of the boats but hold he cried glancing around him where is captain temple i heard that he had come to louisville from the cumberland to-day is he not going with you to new orleans sangree i took up the name involuntarily captain temple i repeated while they stared at me nicholas temple it was auguste de sangree who replied the same he said i recall he was along with you in Nova orleans he is at the tavern and he has had one grand fight and he is very i am sorry intoxicate i know not how i made my way through the black woods to fort Finney, where i discovered Jake landrus and his canoe the road was long and yet short for my brain whirled with the expectation of seeing nick again and the thought of this poor pathetic ludicrous expedition compared to the sublime one i had known george rogers clark had come to this end of chapter two